Good morning and welcome to this week's edition or this morning's edition, shall we say, of our Daily Word and Prayer. This is Wednesday morning, March 31st. And I'm Tom Short, glad to have you along, glad that you're with me today as we look into the Word of God and pray. This is going to be an important lesson today, and so I'm glad you're along. If you're new, a double welcome to you. Make sure you subscribe, hit the notify button, like the video, go over to my website, tomthepreacher.com, make sure you subscribe to my daily email, and let's stay in touch, okay? We've been going through this last week, the week that changed the world. This is known as Holy Week. It began on Sunday, Palm Sunday, or the triumphant entry of Jesus into the old city of Jerusalem, coming from the Mount of Olives, from Bethany, on the Mount of Olives, down in through the Eastern Gate, into the old city, and, um, and there into the temple. And we've been looking at the things that he's done. Of course, it picks up really big time starting tomorrow, and tomorrow, Friday, and obviously Sunday. So I'm glad you'll be along with me, okay? This is our week. This is Holy Week. This is the week that changed the world. As we saw earlier, or a couple days ago, about 30% of the of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, deals with this final week of the life of Jesus. And almost 50% of the book of John deals with the final week of of the life of Jesus, probably about 40, 45%. So it's significant. And some of the themes he talked about, and we saw the, the triumphal entry, and then he talked so much of the week was conflict with the corrupt religion of the Pharisees and Sadducees, what Judaism had become. It had be, been corrupted in its leadership. It had become corrupted in its motives. It, it had become self-righteous and proud. And Jesus clashed and clashed and clashed again in this final week that really came to a head as he rebuked and challenged the corruption of religion. Yesterday we talked about the mountain-moving faith promises that God, that Jesus gave us in that last week because of the mountain-moving challenges he was going to be giving his disciples, and let's remember that he gives us. And so we have tremendous power in prayer. But the other big theme that really comes out a lot here in the teachings of Jesus in this final week of his life is judgment. Judgment. Because Jesus had had this conflict with the Pharisees, at the end of Matthew chapter 23, he, he makes this statement, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those sent to him. How often I've wanted to gather you together the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you are unwilling. Behold, your house is being left to you desolate. What does that mean? Well, he was in the temple. The house was the temple. He's, he's prophesying the, the, a desolate temple. Now, this obviously would have concerned the, the disciples. This would be like if you're standing in Washington, D.C., and you're standing outside the Capitol building, and you say, this thing, your, your house, this house, this building, it's going to be desolate. You'd say, well, what does that mean for our country? I mean, what, what does that really mean if... if the whole Congress, the Senate, the Congress, they're desolate? Are they gone? What's that mean for our future? And that's obviously the question the disciples had. The temple was a glorious building. It stood above everything else in Jerusalem. It was magnificent. And if you see, you know, of course, it's gone now. If you see models of it, it was huge, and it stood out. So they asked him, 
And this is what's called the Olivet Discourse. Jesus left Jerusalem and he's out on the Mount of Olives, east of the city. And they ask him, Jesus will, verse 24, Jesus came out from there, the temple, and was going away with his disciples and came up, who came up to point to him the temple buildings and said, how wonderful a time. Let me just read it. Excuse me. Jesus came out from the temple and was going away when his disciples came up to point out the temple buildings to him. He said it's going to be left desolate. And he said, hey, Jesus, look at how, what a beautiful building this is. Look how awesome this temple is. It was the pride and joy of Israel, the pride and joy of Jerusalem. It was, the, it was a central point. Jews would come from all over Israel to this place to pray to God. And Jesus said, do you see all these things? Truly I say to you, not one stone here will be left upon another, which will not be torn down. This must have just shaken them. So verse 3, as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And so they ask a lot of, they ask three questions here. And it's kind of a tough question, but they're basically saying, um, the temple's going to be destroyed? Seriously? Every stone on this magnificent building is going to be torn down? Seriously? Now, I might add, that has happened. And if you go to Israel, you can see stones that came down that had been on the top and had, and had been thrown down, stone by stone, every single bit of that temple, as prophesied by Jesus, was destroyed. The Western Wall still stands, and people think, well, isn't that part of the temple? No, that was the, that was the foundation around upon which the temple was built, it, it, the foundation of the courtyard or the plaza upon which the foundation was, uh, upon which the, the uh, temple was built. But the Western Wall was not part of the temple itself. It is, the, it is the closest thing to what could remain of it. It's considered very holy to the Jews. They go there to pray. But the temple's gone. It's a magnificent prophecy. I might add one that when I talk to a Jewish person, and they, they understand the Old Testament and they understand the significance of the temple and how the sacrifices could only be offered in the temple and how the Messiah was promised would come to the temple. And I point out to them, I say, how th- this would tell me the Messiah must have already come. The Messiah had to have already come if the temple has now been destroyed because the prophecies say he must come to the temple. And, and it happened within 40 years of the death of Jesus Christ. The heart of the Jewish religion, the whole temple, what, what was all revolved around, it's gone within 40 years of the rejection, crucifixion of Jesus Christ. It tells me something. It tells me it's pretty significant events in history that would imply Jesus really was the Messiah. But I want to step forward here in the few minutes we have remaining, because the next three chapters, a lot of us focus on, you know, earthquakes, wars, rumors of wars, uh, nation against nation, and we think are these signs of the second coming of Christ, and they certainly might be. But understand something about prophecy. The prophecies Jesus gave and the prophecies of the Bible almost always prophesy coming judgment. Jesus, Matthew 24 is about coming judgment. 
it would be about the judgment of the temple, and then he segues in, or the judgment of the Jewish people and Israel for rejecting the Messiah, and then he segues into the end times. And he talks about this, the, the, uh, the, the judgment that would then be upon the whole world to such as like has never been seen before that no life would even remain if he didn't return. And then he goes into, uh, he, he, as he talks, so he, the, because of judgment, he says, be ready, be ready. And he gives four things that he talks about that remind us to be ready. He says, as in the days of Noah, people were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage. Noah went into the ark and the door was closed and it was too late. And this, the greatest judgment to come upon the world, the whole world was flooded. And right up until the time, Noah had been preaching for 120 years of a coming judgment. 120 years of a coming judgment. And it was, did people believe him? Evidently not. Did they get tired of hearing him? Probably so. Did they say, come on, Noah, we've heard this over and over again? Yeah, probably. And then it came. And when it came, it was too late. Be ready. He said, be ready. And then Jesus tells about a, a, a person to protect his house from the thief. If he knew when the thief was coming, he'd be awake and out there and protect the house. But it's when he lets his guard down. When day after day goes by, he doesn't get robbed night after night, day after day. So he begins to think, I'm safe. This is no problem. And so he doesn't prepare. He's not He's not diligent to watch over. And suddenly his house is broken into at a time when he least expects. The thief comes. And then he talks about ten virgins. Five were prudent. They prepared. They, they knew a big event was coming, and so they had plenty of oil. The other five, they weren't prepared. They were lazy. They, they were not prudent. They did not look ahead. They, they did not believe what was going to happen. And so when the it's a parable about the coming of the, the the bridegroom. When he came, their lamps were out of oil. They didn't have any. They had to go to the city and get some, and they missed their chance. They weren't prudent. They weren't prepared. They weren't thinking about this coming in judgment. And then, of course, the very popular story of the, the talents. He gives one five, another three, another one, and do business with this until I return. Talents being a form of money, a, a unit of money. One went out and doubled it, uh, five to ten. Another went out three to six, and the the other hid it in the ground and did nothing. And to the two who were faithful with good, what the master had given them, he said, "Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You are faithful. Enter into the joy of your master." But to the other who just hidden in the ground, he was accursed. And so we see these four examples: Noah, the the steward protecting the house, the ten virgins the people entrusted with their their um, talents, the, the units of money. And in every case, it had to do with live now in light of something significant that's going to happen in the future. Live now, not for the moment, but live today in light of this coming judgment that's going to be a time when we will give an account to God, a time when when it will all be over, a time when when we will stand before the Almighty. And I urge you today, this is, this is so much a significant part of the life of Jesus. 
the message of Jesus. Live in light of coming judgment. We live in a world, folks, of instant gratification. We live in a world where, you know, we, we grow impatient waiting for the microwave to heat up our food. We live in a world where we can get anything we want pretty much right away. But the things that matter most in life, standing before God, we've got to battle against this craving that what that, that if I don't get instant reward, instant reward, I'm not going to do something. This is the training psychologically to look at things in the long term, to, to make to invest my life for the long term, to, to invest my time, to see the long game. I often say, you know, when is the finish line of life? It, we're in a marathon, we're not in a sprint. I used to run cross country and sometimes, you know, it's a couple miles long. Some, some guys would sprint out and be in front, you know, hundred feet, 200 feet into the race, but then they would, they would, you know, run out of steam. The guys who won were the guys who, who knew where the finish line was and they paced themselves to be a winner in light of the finish line. Our finish line is when we stand before God. It's not when we graduate college. It's not when we get married. It's not when we buy that big house. It's not when we get the car we want. It's not when we, we get a raise. It's not when we make so much money. It's not when we retire. Finish line is when we stand before God. And we will. Someday, every one of us will stand. We don't know when it will be. It could be like the thief in the night. It could be today. Your, your last day could be today. You might have many, many years left. We don't know. Christ could come back today. Christ not, might not come back for in our lifetime. We don't know. But we live in light of, we know it will happen. And so we live in light of that. That's our finish line when we stand before God and either hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your master, or we hear something else that would be less pleasant. There is a judgment coming. There's a judgment coming upon the earth. There's a judgment coming upon all of life. The final judgment, he says, you know, those who, you know, to the righteous and enter into the joy, you were, you, you visited me in prison, you clothed me, you fed me and so on. And, and those on the left, they didn't do that. And he said, when the least, you've done the least these brethren of mine, you did it to me. And to the wicked, he says, if you neglected that with others, you neglected with me. What's he saying? Good works do not save them. I don't think this is saying the judgment, but our good works will be known at the judgment or our bad works. They will be evidence of our salvation. We will do good works because we're saved. They're not the basis of our salvation, but they are indeed we, we who are followers of the King of Kings. We are in the kingdom of God should be known for our good works, even though we won't be saved because of our good works. This is important. Just because good works don't save you doesn't mean you shouldn't do them. We should be known for our acts of goodness kindness. We should be known for spreading the truth and standing for what's right. We will be judged by our works and rewarded by our works. We are saved by the grace of God, but our works are vitally important on that day. So this is a big, big part of the message of Jesus on, on, on this week. He brought it up over and again. There, there of the Here in the book of Matthew, two chapters in Matthew 24 and 25 deal directly with this idea of the coming judgment and preparation for it. Not just trying to figure out, well, is this item in the news? Does that say it's going to happen? There's nothing wrong with doing that. But the point is be prepared whether it happens today, next week, next year, or in our lifetime or not. Be prepared. 
be ready. Live in light of that day. Father in heaven, we thank you. You you are working history to all climax and hit its to hit its climax in the second coming of Jesus Christ when you will indeed set up that eternal kingdom and Jesus you will subdue all your enemies under your feet you'll rule the nations with a rod of iron you will be exalted every knee will bow and every tongue confess that you're lord you'll make right everything that was made wrong by sin you will have your day you will have your day. We thank you the day of the Lord is coming. We know it is a frightful day. Lord, it will be a day of judgment. For many, it will be a day of torment. It will be a day of disaster. Lord, there will be those who were not prepared. We think of the when, when the floods came in Noah's day. For Noah, it was a day of rescue. But for those who were not prepared, it was a day of judgment. We think of uh, the, the man who guarded his house and protected it, and we think of the man who didn't. And Lord, for many, they will be unprepared. And that day will come, and, and it's like a thief in the night, and the thief will break in, and they'll suffer great loss because they did not live in light of the danger, the potential danger of that, of that day, or of the Ten virgins and the five who were unprepared, they were not prudent. They did not live in light of certain realities. They only lived for the moment. They did not view the long haul. And when that day came, they were unprepared. Or the man who hid his talent, his money, the things you would entrust in him, the gifts, the treasures you entrust in him, just hid him in the dirt and produced no fruit for your kingdom. He was, he was lazy, you said, worthless. Jesus, we want to be living our lives. We want to be known. We want to be about the business of God. We want to live each day, this day, in light of eternity. We thank you for time. Help us not fritter it away. Help us not waste it. Help us invest it, Lord. Teach us to number our days that we might present to you a heart of wisdom. Teach us to redeem our time, because our life is made up of our time. Teach us how to do that, Father. Help us to be diligent and about your work. Lord, I think of this pandemic, and I even think with me, Lord, it's, it's been trying to, to not be uh, out on the campus, and the, the things that uh, once seemed so obvious how I could be serving you and advancing your kingdom, Lord, it's, it's been difficult. And Lord, so many of us, our life has been disrupted now the last year. But we thank you, your mission has not been put on hold or pause. Jesus, you you are on the march, you're on the move, you're working. No matter what others are doing in this world, no matter who tells us to stay indoors or stay home or whatever they say, your commands still matter. You're still watching. We're still moving towards that day of your, the day of the Lord. Help us, Lord, to hasten it. Help us, Lord, to work towards it. Help us to Look, look towards it and hasten the coming of the Lord as we serve you today. Lord, help us to do this. It's so easy to seek instant gratification. It's so easy, Lord, to be disappointed if we don't see results quickly. We're just so trained to do this, Lord. We're so used to seeing, in everything we do, results immediately. 
And yet, Lord, you've called us the most important things. The most important things seldom seem urgent, but they're important because that's what will matter throughout eternity. And so help us to keep this perspective and to live in light of it and to go about your business this day. Use us for your glory. Fill us with your spirit. Fill us with the joy of the Lord. This is our strength. Fill us with the confidence to share your message. Give us opportunities, divine appointments today with people that you'd like us to share the gospel with. Help us, Lord, this week. We pray our churches would be filled this Easter. We pray for many, many, many salvations throughout the land as people have had this year and this pandemic and fear, fear of dying and all these things. I pray they'd be in our churches and the gospel message would ring clear, loud and clear, and many, many people would be saved. We ask these things. We bless you. We give you this day for your glory, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Hey, thanks for being along with me, and God bless you. Be prepared. Live today in light of that day. Never forget, okay? Let's not be like those people in the days of Noah that just didn't know what was happening. Let's us be aware. We've got Scripture to awaken us. We've got Scripture to enlighten us. The world may not live in light of it, but you and I can. So let's do so. Thanks for being with me today. Make sure you tell others about it. It helps spread the word. You can post these videos on your social media page, Facebook, Instagram, um, Twitter, wherever you like to post your social media. You invite your friends and family and uh, tell them it's worth the time. If If you're blessed by this, tell them it's worth building this into their life, taking time, whether live or later on in the day. You get the word of God in your life and pray over it. It makes changes little by little. We don't change, we change little by little, day by day. We build our faith in God's word. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of Christ. We get the word of God in our soul. It performs its work. So thanks for being with me. Make sure, Again, make sure you subscribe, hit the notify button, and like these videos. Tell your friends about them. God bless you. You have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow morning and uh, we're, where we continue our journey through the week that changed the world. Bye-bye.